You're listening to Campus Review Radio. I currently have five startups, all of which have gone into revenue phase that I've been bootstrapping for the past 18 months. I have a PhD in geospatial data analysis and molecular biology and predictive statistics of a microbial component of soil nutrient transfer. Um, my first degree was called environmental protection. When I look back at what the university I went to, and I won't mention its name, but you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, let's just put it this way. It was an old red brick university in the UK, you can tell from my accent. What did that university do to help me get to where I am right now? Absolutely nothing, except maybe one thing. When I survived my PhD, I realised that nothing actually ever scared me ever again. Okay, so surviving the PhD is built resilience, um, and it builds a fearlessness. And that's the one thing I did appreciate about my PhD, in that you pull your own brain apart, trying to work out something new, and when you achieve it, you go, okay, nothing's ever really gonna be quite as hard as that again. So I walked straight into a corporate um, job whilst I was writing up my PhD. So I would work for eight hours during the day, and then write up for eight hours at night, and I was doing very little sleep, doing it quite tough. Um, I remember one weekend I had five pounds on me, I had no money in my bank account, and I had to decide whether to buy a bag of porridge and some milk, or some eggs and some bread to see what would last me the weekend until I got paid on the Tuesday. Now, I come from quite humble beginnings. I'm not your typical British university student. My parents divorced when I was nine. My mum had graduated as a lawyer, as a mature student, when she was what my age is now, with three children under the age of 12. So maybe my mother taught me some of that tenacity as well. The reason why that's important is I started working from the age of about 12. I was babysitting, doing paper rounds, had a Saturday job at 16. Um, I worked two jobs and did four A-levels, which is an extra one than you would normally do when I was 16 to 18. And the reason why I was working two jobs was because I was saving up for my gap year to go to Zambia. Because I knew if there was one thing I needed to do, it was to get out and see the world before I went into the machine that was universities. And so going to Zambia not only opened my eyes in terms of how I actually wanted to live my life and the value sets that I knew I had within me and the passion that I had about environmental protection and human health and the empowerment of communities, these things that I talk about them now, but I couldn't have described them to you when I was 16. I just knew what I wanted to do and I wasn't quite sure what to call it. So I went on my gap here in Zambia and I have a love for Zambia that I will always have because I went to that country and I stayed with a Zambian family and I learned different cultures and different languages and I learned respect and I respected other people and it was just beautiful and wonderful. And one of the things that people say to me now, if I can prepare my kid for anything in this world, what's the one experience they need? Gap year. When we started university as freshers, we were a bunch of gap years all living together. Gappers, you know, ex-gap years. We were a year older than the rest of the intake, but we were actually more than a year older than the rest of the intake. We'd all done something with our gap year. It wasn't some la-di-da-rah, I'm going to work in a shop and then go to Ibiza for the summer. It was, you know, voluntary work. We'd gone out, we'd got our hands dirty, um, and we'd worked in schools. I worked with orphans and vulnerable children. We'd seen a bit of life. And I thought that, that was a really important thing for me. Petrified my mother. There was no internet at the time. We wrote letters. I mean, it's just wonderful. She's got all these letters still. I never realised she kept them. She's got them in her bedside table. Um, so I went uh, to university and I hated it. I started my university career thinking that I was poor, that I was stupid, that I'd chosen the wrong thing, that I'd made a huge mistake, I was in the wrong place. I should have done something else. But I kept going. And then I chose to do a year in industry because I knew I didn't want to stay just for three years 
university and leave with an honours like everybody else does. For me, I've always recognised that difference is probably one of the one things, one of the things that we actually need more. So difference, even in diversity, the word difference, the idea of having different thinking, even if people look the same, they can still have difference, right? So I did my year, and this is where the world gets a bit weird. I did my year in industry at Mahabhutalai Nare Suan in Pisanurok in Thailand. And I love Thailand, I lived there for 10 months. I learned to speak the language. I used to speak Japanese, so I know you're Japanese much better than my Thai is now. But I again lived on my own, I worked, I taught, taught English, I worked with some of the kids there, did some outreach work at the university, and our research was looking at novel uh, banana species so we could register the genomes uh, before the big you know, multinationals would come in and, and rip out and biopiracy all of the, the genomes of the, the bananas. And when you think about it, that leads straight back to my gap here in Zambia because 80% of the world's population rely on bananas and plantains for their carbohydrates. So I was effectively still doing something back as to what I wanted to do. And this is where I find the world becomes rather leaky for me in many definitions of that word. Um, I started working in environmental consultancy and I was miserable. And I knew that what I was doing was just to get enough money to survive to finish my PhD and then I would find something. So I did have happy times, by the way. I don't want to sound like this completely depressing. But it was tough. And again, I think the reason now that I sit here self-employed with five companies and I'm absolutely the least afraid of anything I've ever been in my life is because I've been up against that and I came through it. And building resilience, I think, is something that we need to encourage and we can do that at universities because I've seen and I've heard and I've heard stories of ways that can be done. I just wasn't given that opportunity through my particular university. Um, so started working in a corporate world, the global financial crisis hit, I realised I had a heck of a lot of transferable skills and absolutely no experience. So in London in 2010, I was up against people that were 20 years older than me, with 25, 30 years experience. I was a green, fresh, wet behind the ears, PhD graduate who had no freaking clue about business. I had no idea, I was learning on the job, I was learning how to be a consultant, I was learning contract management and project management as I went. The doors started closing. And in the UK, there is still an old boys club. There is still, and it, and it shocked me one day, I was at, at university and I wanted to join the rowing club. I was quite lanky and I thought I'd be quite good at rowing. And I walked up to the rowing club and she went, oh, hi, who are you and who's your daddy and which school did you go to? And I, I was just like, I don't even know how to answer those questions. That's a foreign concept to me. But as the doors started shutting on me in London, again, I felt like I was working class. My daddy didn't have a job in the city. I didn't have someone there to open me, you know, open the arms of opportunity for me because of who my daddy was. And so I thought, this isn't right for me, I'm going to have to move. So I went out to my company and said, find me a job. I've got skills, find me a job. So they offered me a job in Perth, Western Australia, as a data manager on a rather large, the world's largest in that marine monitoring program. I thought, yeah, not, can't be that hard. Um, and so I relocated to Perth where I knew no one. Well, if anyone has experienced Perth in the middle of July, one would realise all of these ideas I had about Australia of being like neighbours and home and away where everyone's on the beach and surfing and everything. Perth in July is like the worst weather I've ever experienced. It like goes from minus two, no one has any insulation in their houses, there's no gas fire central heating. Now certainly I've survived ten years in the northeast of England and there would be freezing to death in Perth, Western Australia. And I was like, how is this possible? Um, and so, again, I was miserable, and I thought, I've made completely the wrong decision. What on earth have I done? Moving here, this is hideous. <coughs> and then I met my now husband, and, uh, he, you know, at the time when I least wanted or expected a relationship, he wouldn't leave me alone. Um, and so, um, 
you know, I, I then jumped around companies following the project work. I then got to the point where, again, the slowdown started happening here in Australia, and, and it looked like, again, I was dodging redundancy, except I didn't dodge it. I embraced it. And when I embraced the thing that I feared the most, the thing that I literally ran away from to the other side of the planet, I felt completely liberated. Now, when I look back, Steve Jobs always says, you can only join, what well, he said, beg your pardon, you can only join the dots going backwards, except I have a PhD in statistics, and therefore I believe in extrapolation. Um, I believe you can create your own dots going forwards. And when I realized that I could create my own dots, my world changed. And so I decided, right, what can I do? And I've learned all of these business skills by going through business life, all of these contract management skills, my network, I've won a number of large international awards and um, Australian national business awards. And I thought, if I can't go solo now, sailing this ship, then I am not worth my skin, um, and I am not worth all the time and effort and money that I put into my education. So I went solo, I now have five businesses. And the way I've built my businesses, um, I've been bootstrapping for the last 18 months. So as soon as I make any money, it goes into a trademark, it goes into a business, it goes into the bank account, it goes onto the credit card debt, um, and I survive by bootstrapping again and again and again. Similar to when I had that five quid in my hand, I've had to make a sense of, do I go for porridge, oats and milk, or do I go for eggs and bread? And it's been a really wonderful experience. Now, what could I have had? What could my university, what could you have given me? Well, the first thing that I find as a scientist is, a lot of us end up in industry, but none of us know what a business school even smells like. We don't walk past it, we aren't involved with them. If I had had the opportunity, again, and I was looking at degrees, knowing now what I know, the thing that I would search out is a fresh, new place, a new university, somewhere with new thinking, where I wasn't going to feel poor, where I wasn't going to not feel part of Daddy's networks, where I was actually going to be among bright, fresh-thinking, forward-thinking, disruptive people. And I would ask for a science degree that also gave me a business qualification. Effectively, what I'd be looking for, one could describe as a STEM MBA. Give me business modules as I learn the basics. Allow me to be a scientist. Allow me to be reductionist in my expertise, of course. But give me some of those skills that means when I can't rely on the external hands of economics to lift me up, I can create my own dots. And so I guess that's probably my call to the universities that are sat here in this room, is that there are a lot of kids that are going through the journey that I've just taken 20 years to go through. And there's a lot of IP sat inside your people that can be turned into active startups and enterprise. And I'm not talking spin-off companies, I'm talking real businesses. And they can be nurtured to be more successful than the average. And so that, I guess, is where my beg to you would be. It's not even about multidisciplinary working or transdisciplinary degrees or all this kind of thing. It's about giving scientists the ability to understand business and also giving business the ability to understand scientists. It's a two-way street.